My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. What up, what up, everybody? This is the Fight Game Podcast. And for episode three of our rebranded show, I'm bringing back the person who was on the first show, Doing, and we're going to talk about the uh, the big Mayweather and McGregor announcement, and we're going to preview and break down Ward Kovalev 2. And Doing, I'm so surprised that I have yet to screw up and call this FGB Radio. Um, yeah, you mentioned the two points we're going to talk about there. I'm not sure we've ever had like a more polarizing pair of fights that we could talk about in one show. Um, uh, with Ward and Kovalev, you have really what two of the best fighters in boxing in a fight that's probably got very meager expectations. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got McGregor Mayweather, which is a complete cash grab, but it's going to be uh, even even if this fight is unsuccessful, it's still going to be huge. Um, did you catch uh, our namesake Jim Lampley's "The Fight Game" uh, on HBO? Did you catch that this week? I haven't caught this week's episode yet. So it was recorded uh, right before the Mayweather McGregor announcement, and he ended the show by saying that Canelo versus Golovkin being at the T-Mobile Center in Las Vegas it it, it was a um was was kind of a win because it would hurt the Mayweather McGregor fight which hadn't been announced yet and um he wouldn't call the Mayweather McGregor match a fight he would he kept calling it an or maybe he only said it one time but he called it an event so i thought that was funny cuz i know Lampley is very specific with his with his language um but then but it turns out that he was actually wrong because them moving that fight to T-Mobile um absolutely didn't do any any harm to the McGregor and Mayweather fight which is going to be 3 weeks earlier and looks like it's also going to be at T-Mobile, even though originally um, I think they had secured the MGM Grand, but it does sound like it's going to be at T-Mobile. So I don't, I don't know, you know, what harm that did to this fight at all. It seems like they just one-upped Oscar here the uh, the entire way, and not that I feel bad for Oscar because because uh, Canelo and, uh, and Golovkin is still going to be a really big fight. But it does take, as a spectacle and as an event, it's going to gain the more casual fan eyeballs than Golovkin and Canelo. Yeah, it more than likely will. And, um, you know, you you don't know what the knock-on effects will be just across both sports throughout this summer. You know, you've also got John Jones, um, Daniel Cormier, not, not too far away from that. I think it's just a month before. Will it affect that fight? You know, Will how much will it affect Canelo against Golovkin? You know, you might find that it has a galvanizing effect, where you know the people who stand against that actually get get more supportive of uh, the Canelo fight because it's you know it's a legitimate contest and it's kind of in opposition to this. Or you may find that like you know people 
everybody comes out and pays their 100 bucks for the McGregor fight and then you know they're they're not not that eager to uh, jump back on board for another pay-per-view so quickly uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was when the announcement was made, uh, being where you live, uh, is is now uh, Mayweather – I mean, I'm sorry, McGregor uh, country. How, how, how was the uh, – did, did it get just tremendous coverage? And also, what do the McGregor fans uh, out there think? Do they really think this guy has a chance? Um, it has got tremendous coverage. Um it's pretty much been all anyone's been talking about in in the fight world, like pretty much since the start of this year, I suppose. But uh, I think the feeling on the ground is l- largely the same as it is anywhere else. I don't think anybody really feels May- McGregor has a uh, has a big chance in this fight. You are getting some people say, you know, giving him the punches ch- ch- chance, you know, when he's got the type of power that he has. But I think most people are looking at it in a more kind of realistic way and they're uh, expecting this is going to be a Mayweather sweep. And that's May- that's Mayweather's stance. Mayweather's side stance is that this is a fight. McGregor absolutely has a chance. He hits hard. You know, we are going to treat this like we've treat every other fight. We've treated every other fight. And I started to think about that because if we go back to the Manny Pacquiao fight, I think we could all tell pretty much by the first few rounds that Pacquiao had had slowed down and Mayweather really hadn't, and that if Mayweather wanted, he could have probably mixed it up and, and not been too worse for the wear, but he was still very cautious in that fight, knowing that he had just about every advantage. And I'm sure, you know, I I, I couldn't really tell 100%, but I'm sure Mayweather and his corner could tell that Pacquiao was having issues uh, with his shoulder. And he still was so cautious. Like, he played that like he didn't want to take any uh, any chances or make any mistakes. And, you know, he, he pretty much fought how he would normally fight that kind of fight, as if, like, Manny was still the Manny that, that we had hoped. And, and so that makes me wonder, are we going to see Floyd fight this fight with McGregor, who he is clearly several uh, levels of class above, um... And, and just be really tactical and, and you know, or, or are we going to see him take some chances here? Um, I, th- I think, you know, from McGregor's perspective, like the, 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 his best chance is to go for broke and try land a big shot, maybe catch Floyd cold or something like that. But if you look at Conor McGregor's career, that's not really the style he has. When you, t- you think of an MMA guy, you might think of him as being... Like, you know, going into a boxing match, you might think of him as kind of a more brawling style. That's really not what Connor has. He's kind of a very measured, accurate striker who picks his punches. And, you know, if, if he does try play that game with Mayweather, uh, I can just imagine him being picked apart pretty, pr- pretty easily. And, you know, if Floyd is finding those openings, I think as easily as I think we will find, as I think, I think we will see, uh, I, I can see him not necessarily... Ne- Make taking chances, but I th- think he'll just be able to find the target easily enough that he he'll be able to do 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 some damage. Uh, here was a conversation I was having yesterday uh, about this, and it made me think: Could Floyd do his Muhammad Ali impression, which is high, you know, hype up the opponent, 
you know, and then at the same time, knowing that the opponent isn't at your level, carry, you know, do a carry job for several rounds, um, you know, like Ali would do with lesser opponents, just so that, uh, you know, one, you, you'd set him up to, to the point of where he, he maybe he thinks he's doing a little bit better than he than he is. And, and you can then, you know, knock him out when you want. But secondly, try to uh, disguise what's going on for the fans so that they don't think like that. This is the biggest ripoff that they've ever had in their life. Um, I'm not sure about that one because I just feel that this is the last chapter for Floyd Mayweather. And, you know, that's kind of something else that a little bit sticks in my craw about the way he's ended his career. You know, these when he's breaking the Marciano records, like, you know, his 49 fight was against Andre Berto and his 50th fight is against uh, Conor McGregor. So he's really not not pushing the boat out at all with, with going for that record. But, um, like, if... If Mayweather did want to toy with him a little bit, he may do that. We've seen him do that with opponents that he's hopelessly better than in the past, where he will just, you know, let them throw shots and he'll go back against the ropes and, you know, deflect some of the shots and the crowd will rise for them. Will he want to take, like, given that McGregor is as big a hitter as he is, will he want to take those risks of, like, you know, why would you give him the the one in a million shot he has is landing that one big punch? Um, Why would you give him that? I don't know. I I, I think think he's more than likely just going to do what he normally does and uh, showcase his boxing skills. We're going to wait for McGregor to make make the mistakes the novice boxer will make and uh, punish them. What what did you think about fighting at 154? Do you think that was uh, good for McGregor? Does it matter? You know, Floyd doesn't normally fight that high. Floyd may not even come in at at that at that weight. But did did you think that that was about what what uh, McGregor uh, you know would be best fighting at in this in this fight? Um, I think if there's one advantage that went to Connor in the in all these negotiations and. You know, these negotiations really were another example of, you know, who, who holds all the cards in um, combat sport um, because Floyd got pretty much all his way on everything. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's his show. It's on his network. It's uh, um, and it's, it's his undercard. So, you know, he, he got to make all the choices, but uh, if there was one concession he may have made, it's the, giving uh, Connor the the junior middleweight weight limit. I think that probably would would favor him more than it would uh, Floyd, as Floyd, you know, obviously would would be a career welterweight. But um, you know, there's some other rules I think we should probably also kind of bring up, which I guess the the gloves that they're going to be using in this are 10 ounce gloves. Um, not the lightest gloves, not the heaviest. They're kind of the medium, medium uh, championship fight gloves. Um, I, I think, you know, if Con- Connor probably would have preferred to get eight ounce gloves, if he co- could have. Um, and the other thing is, this is a 12 round uh, fight, um, which is interesting because, you know, in his debut, Vasil Lomachenko, the two-time Olympic gold medalist wanted to fight 
a 12 round championship fight and he was told he couldn't do it um conor mcgregor in his debut <laughs> is uh, is allowed to fight a 12 rounder uh yeah yeah they uh i think um i think i read in the observer that they said i think dave wrote that the commission is really there not only to protect the fighters uh but also to protect the audience and basically so that the promoters wouldn't be able to you know to also to protect the promoters from themselves and in this case because of how much money is involved he said if anybody opposed letting mcgregor fight they would have all been fired yeah i i, I could absolutely imagine that as well um but yeah i guess you know one of the things that we ha- hasn't really been spoken about that much is connor's background as a boxer you know this is a guy who originally started in boxing you know he 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 boxed at a crumlin boxing club from the time he was 11 years old to maybe you know it's 17 18 when he switched mma and the kind of the reason he switched mma was just there was much more upside to, to to for him in that sport like i think you know his athleticism just kind of suited bringing in kicks and things like that into his arsenal and you know allowing him to uh, uh, to use some of the physical advantages he has um did like you kind of hear mixed reports on how good mcgregor was as a boxer at that early stage of it in his development um i think generally speaking and before we started to get into the build for this fight the consensus was that you know he had some skills but they're probably the type of skills that maybe would have taken him to a national championship as an amateur maybe you know a domestic title as a professional you know it, it, it was it was that type type of level so you know this is a guy who his expectations as a as a boxer would have would have been nowhere near what they were what they ended up being as a as an mma fighter you know he does he has sparred you know with professional boxers for throughout his career you know he he frequently trains in pascal collins's gym uh, the celtic warrior gym that's uh, the great world champion Steve Collins's brother um you know he trains with a lot of the Irish pro boxers but and you know the reports you generally get is you know he does better than most people would expect um you know he's probably more of a challenge now than he was when he started in MMA just because he's a little bit unorthodox and a lot of the pros find him a little bit difficult his style a little bit difficult to come to terms with just because it's different um but these are also guys that would be fighting at you know the national level they're not world championship caliber fighters and they're certainly not floyd mayweather so you're going from that level of competition to arguably not not the i don't think we'll say the best fighter of all time but probably the most celebrated um before we get to uh i want to talk about uh a little bit about what the uh, we would expect the buys and, and and all that to be. And also I want to get into kind of like, what is in it for the UFC? Cause I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but before that, I thought it would be fun just to kind of think about if you were going to, uh, build an undercard that was actually full of these types of boxing, you know, boxer versus MMA in, in a boxing ring kind kind of fights, because there have been, uh, situations in the past where guys have asked 
to, to be allowed to box, and Dana has said no. Um, and, and the two that I could think of uh, that you could put on this undercard, which would be fun fights, would be um, Anderson Silva and Roy Jones Jr., because they've always talked about that. And I don't know if you remember this one, but uh, Nick Diaz and Jeff to left hook Lacey. I remember Nick Diaz was talking about boxing. I didn't remember it was Jeff Left Hook Lacey, though. Who else, like, who else in, in the UFC do you think would have um, enough ability from the boxing end to even be able to compete? Like, I can think of Frankie Edgar, because I know he had a boxing background, and his style, when he actually does throw punches, is more in the vein of a, of a boxer than it is of, say, like a Muay Thai striker or something. But who else is out there that would even would even put up a, you know, a 10% chance, like someone like Edgar? Maybe, maybe somebody like... Um like you know one of your celebrated strikers like um mark hunt or um junior dos santos i know he has a boxing background as well mark hunt and butterbean They're, that 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 is a fight that, that, <laughs> that needs to be booked right away oh, oh speaking of uh why don't we get bart gunn back in the back in the ring man um, no, but I, I just thought it was kind of funny because I was like thinking, I was like, who could actually do so? Because like, uh, you know, the celebrated uh, Bellator fighter Aaron Pico supposedly was a really good boxer uh, as a youth. Like they were saying like from like uh, someone who's boxed and and also done amateur wrestling. He was like a Danny Hodge level like prospect. Um, and then I was also thinking Nate because Nate bought Nate spars Nate and Nick both sparred I think with Ward and some awards guys so they would actually that that, that could be fun too but um, yeah they they would they also would have zero chance probably but it, I, I was just I just started thinking of like what matchups would be super fun and those are the ones I could come up with yeah like I think realistically you know if you're not in the sport full time, you're really not going to be competitive at that high a level. Like I'm sure, you know, some of these top guys in MMA could compete at, you know, at a reasonable level in boxing. But, you know, when you're, when you're going up to that elite, you need to be, it's something you need to be doing full time, full time. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's talk about the business of this fight a little bit. I think um, those details are going to be a little hard to get because uh, from what I understand, or at least what Leonard Ellerby said, they have sealed all those documents and they are not to be public. So because I think the questions um, are, for one, the main question for me is how big is Floyd's guarantee and how much of the money is dependent on him? Um, doing a big buy rate because I think that changes how much he's going to, going to do with this fight. Because if you remember the Floyd of 2007 through, I don't know, maybe 2000, 2011, that guy was working his tail off to sell the fight. But then these last several years of Floyd, it's been completely built on him being the best fighter in the world, and thus he never he didn't really go out there and try to create um, disharmony with another guy. He was just like, I'm the best, and that's why I'm going to win. Because if we get that Floyd against this McGregor, I think the hype could disappoint. And I think McGregor would be 
a little frustrated if Floyd doesn't bite or play into these games. What do you what do you think? Do you you think that Floyd's going to do business here or is he going to sit on a, a huge guarantee if that's actually what he got? Well, I think the scary thing here with this one is, you know, if you think of Mayweather De La Hoya, right, that was for so long up until the, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. That was the benchmark for as good as a, a fight could do. We, did, we thought that was probably the ceiling. That number for this fight would probably be considered a failure. Yeah, it would, they, it, they would definitely be disappointed because the number that I heard that they are shooting for is five million buys. Like as a promoter, you always kind of want to manage expectations and, you know, put yourself in a position where you, the fight can succeed both financially and f- publicly. Um, it's going to be difficult to, dis- to sp- spin this one unless it does like those giant record numbers. And, you know, I think more so than ever, and you can tell me what your perspective on this is, the media is going to decide, you know, the success of this fight. I think, you know, so, so, sometimes it comes down to the actual promotion itself. I think in this case, it's how much the media latches on, on to it rather than rather than uh, what the promo- what the two fighters do. I think you know if this is something that's talked about nonstop as it has it as it has been since it's been announced. If that holds up and you know it, it's, it stays the, the, you know the talking point in these kind of mainstream shows, you know that's the audience they need to get in front of. If you know that wanes a little bit or, you know, media support kind of turns against it to to a certain degree and people start talking about it as maybe this isn't the fight we're being promised or, you know, just kind of that negative approach to it or it just uh, falters a little bit. I I think it could really struggle just under the weight of the expectations it has. Um, The other thing about the sort of this build is I wonder how much UFC, whatever UFC is getting paid for this fight just to let Connor in and to be the co-promoter, I wonder how much of what they get is also built into the buys. I would imagine a lot because from what I understand, Dana is actually going to be doing an embedded series for it um, because it's, 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 a two, it's a double-edged sword for them. They're basically promoting a fight in which their top guy is going to look silly now, who knows how much of that will uh, will hurt McGregor? I think I think the idea is is that this this thing is going to make him an even bigger star just by being in the ring with Mayweather than he currently is. And if so, his next UFC fight could actually benefit a ton from that. But you are basically sending your guy into a fight with uh, in, you know in with a caged lion uh, to use an old analogy and. Unless they really, really get the benefit out of it, it it, it could you know it could be harmful. Um, yeah, I think it. Like, I would not like to be Dana White the day after this fight because it's going to be very hard to position this as a success for UFC. Really, no matter how it goes, um, like, probably the your best case scenario with this is is you know Connor puts up a reasonable effort and you know looks gallant in defeat but then 
you you kind of have to face the owners of that company and say, okay, we put our top star and not just their top star. You know, as we learned from this week, Dana White's also said, he, you know, Connor's their pound for pound number one as well. So like, you know, both their top athlete and their top star, they put them in this ridiculous boxing match where he made a ton of money and he may never be back. Right, right. And I think the idea is that McGregor, uh, and I don't, I don't know if they have, have a deal or not, but it sounds like they want McGregor to be on the December pay-per-view. So that leaves him, um, you know, four months or, or whatever to prepare for his next UFC fight. But if the money comes in on this fight and he makes more than he can make in the next th- three or four years fighting for the UFC – you know, what's really his inspiration to, to fight again? He he seems to be completely driven by the fact that he was once uh, a, a poor kid and always just, you know, thought he could uh, utilize his skills to feed to feed himself and his future family. And by fighting this fight, he has absolutely achieved every single one of those goals. What is left when it comes to wanting to, to, to prove yourself? And you got to remember, like... The message John Cavan has always had towards um, Conor McGregor is make money and get out. That's always been their game. It's, you know, get get out healthy with, with uh, some cash in your pocket. And you look at Conor and you kind of look at his behavior and you think, you know, he has had his eye on the exit. Uh, you, you can say maybe it was gamesmanship and things like that. But, you know, there was... Where, that, that situation leading into UFC to 200 where he did announce his retirement already you know this is a guy who I don't think is afraid to step away and with, with this type of payday you know there's no there's no reason for him to fight on unless unless he does he, he, he like he comes out of this fight with maybe f- feeling he has something to prove and go back to UFC and show that you know he can he can still still boss it in the MMA yeah yeah so um Kind of, uh, you know, how do you think, and we kind of alluded to this, but do you think, let, let, let's say, I, I don't know what Oscar De La Hoya's goals were for, uh, for Triple G and Canelo, but this fight probably does hurt it. I, I just, I don't know how much it hurts it, but let's say that, that let's say that Canelo and Triple G were on par to do between 1.8 and 2 million buys that may be high i i i'm, I'm still unsure at, at how big of a, a of a mainstream star uh, golovkin is but um i can i can see this this fight taking a pretty big chunk uh and does that big chunk mean a couple hundred thousand buys does it mean 500,000 buys that's what i'm unsure but I don't know how I imagine the the most pissed off person after this fight was announced had to be Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, absolutely. Um, I I think, you know, if there was a little bit more of a gap between them another two weeks, I think it probably probably the effects wouldn't have been as bad. I think at this close and with UFC getting the jump on them. On, on Oscar's on Oscar's show, I I think you know it, it it's got to have an effect. As I said, you you might you might see the opposite happen where you know you'll get support 
supporters for this for the McGregor fight, and then you'll get also get people going in opposition to that who you know who are saying this is a stupid fight, and who will co- because of that they'll you know band band together behind the Golovkin fight. But I can't. I do think it is going to have you know a, 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 some level of effect. Um, I just read a statement uh, from uh, Mauricio Suleiman from the WBC, which was which is quite interesting you know he he's kind of uh, seeing the positives all around he's like if if the, if the mcgregor mayweather fight is the farce then everybody's gonna want to see a great fight you know a couple of weeks later and um, <laughs> if it's a great fight everybody's gonna be excited to see another great fight a couple of weeks later so he, he, his perspective is you know it, 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 it gets eyes on the prize and you know that's a good thing for boxing i i'm not a believer of that i think there's you know there's Definitely, the possibility of doing damage to uh, to, 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 to future shows, and I, I like I, I think you've I think you've seen that, like you know, and like in these kind of big uh, mega fights, if 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 the, if the public are given a dud, uh, it can turn them off. I think you know what we've seen, we saw that a little bit with a. Uh, with, with Mayweather's fight with Birdo after the Pacquiao fight, not that that fight ever would have been big. I think it was certainly hurt by uh, you know people feeling like they got burnt on that on that first fight. So uh, we'll we'll have we have a, a a little bit over two months to to talk about this some more. But was there anything else that you wanted to to gravitate towards before we moved on to the uh, Kovalev Andre Ward uh, breakdown? Um, I guess. All I'll say is, I know already that there's going to be a lot of people who buy this fight and then complain about it afterwards. All I can say is, you, you pay your buddies, you take your chances. We know what this fight is going to be, um, so don't, you have no right to complain about it. If, 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 if Conor McGregor takes this fight, you, you pay your 100 bucks of pay-per-view, you know what you're getting. Yeah, no, I, I I agree that you are you are buying just so that you don't miss out, which uh, is is kind of the way that things work. Uh, the way pe- people people uh, have to see, you know, we we are in a society of where we have to see what's next and we can't miss out. They call it a FOMO, fear of missing out, and I think that's what's going to drive a lot of the a lot of the buys for this show. I guess what you said earlier about Larry, about um, Larry Merchant saying, um, you know, that this was more of an event than a fight. Do you think that, like, do you think how this is presented publicly um, is important to to its perception? Like, if if the promotion starts for this, and I don't know whether it's going to be all access or what, what type of uh, high vehicle they're gonna have, but if they present this as uh, you know something that's a legit, like a legitimate fight, or is that gonna like, maybe turn people against it more? Or like you know, to me, this is a much more digestible uh, fight if they just kind of present it as what it is and say this is a spectacle, it's a special event, it's a fight that you didn't think you'd get to see. If they try to build this up as, you know, a competitive contest, I think, I, th- I think, that, I think, you know, there's, there's something a little, I'm a little bit uneasy about with that. I, th- I think, you know, the, the credibility drops quite fast. 
Well, how does McGregor present himself here, right? Because he has to present himself with the idea that because he is so good at his sport that he could compete with, uh, he could beat Mayweather at his own sport. Like that's that he, he's got to say things like that um, just to create the interest um, that it needs. And if the if the announcers don't necessarily like like I can't I, I, I can imagine Mauro Ronaldo hearkening back to Ali Inoki and pro wrestling and saying that, you know, that's more of what this is than it is uh, an actual boxing contest or or whatever because i mean you can go back to i think uh, ali had a uh, had an exhibition with uh, wilt chamberlain or something like that so it was like you know wilt chamberlain nba superstar or no maybe it might have been wilt but uh, it was uh, there was a football player i maybe it was lyle alzado i think is who it was and so obviously lyle alzado had you know, not, not very, not, not, not much boxing skill. And it was on like wide world of sports and Ali was kind of having fun in there. And he was kind of, you know, doing his, his, his mummy walk. Like if he really got hurt by some of these punches and I don't, you know, I don't think either guy were really throwing hard punches that it's more relatable to something like that. But in order to sell it to a, a public, you have to make it real. And so, so, so for people who are, who are saying like, this is a work, I'm like, it's not a work because if you were to work this fight, the thing that you would do is you would have McGregor win so that they would come back and make even more money the second go round. And that, this is not going to happen. Like Floyd, Floyd is too rich to even, you know, to even want to do something like that. You couldn't give him enough money to do that because he's already got it. So this is it's it's kind of the opposite of a work, which is um you know, not not which which may make it obviously less entertaining and stuff. But in the build, it's almost like you have to build it as a work, which is kind of like a, this just just this weird thing to think about building something as a work. But when they actually get into the into the fight, it's going to be it's going to be a shoot. And then you're like, oh, it's not going to be as entertaining as if it was worked. Is there any way you think this will be received like the actual fight itself will be received positively. You know, if McGregor goes out in a blaze of glory or, you know, he does somewhat better than people expect, you know, maybe he lands a couple, one or two good shots before, you know, getting taken apart. Is there any way you see this having kind of positive reviews like on the, on the Sunday morning? The, I think the only way this gets any sort of praise whatsoever is if uh, McGregor um, comes to fight, like you said, and really, really presses the action, takes big shots, you know, gives Floyd a little bit more than than uh, he, we think he can handle, and and then Floyd finally, you know, puts him away. Because if it's the way that I sort of wonder, which is what I told you earlier, where Floyd just kind of carries him a little bit. Um, I think it, that might be um, a little bit transparent. But in the other way where you, you know, that you sort of suggested, which is, uh, you know, Connor kind of just goes out in a blaze of glory in the first round and maybe makes a mistake and gets caught in its first round knockout. I think both of those scenarios will get the media to say, see, I told you so. No matter what they had actually told us before. 
if it goes six and McGregor looks good and McGregor is like, you know, getting up from punches that people don't usually get up for because he's so tough and actually makes Mayweather dig deep for the knockout, I think people come out of that going, okay, that was competitive and that was interesting. And I think, you know, I, th- I think it was better than, than we thought, but I, I, who knows, who knows what Connor has in him from that standpoint, because we've, we've only seen him, um, you know, he, 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 he took some, he took some shots from, uh, from Chad Mendez, uh, and, uh, but every, you know, every other main fight that he's had, you know, beating Aldo, like he didn't even get hit once. And against uh, Eddie Alvarez, like he was, you know, he was striking circles around Eddie Alvarez. So we haven't really seen Connor in this like vulnerable position. And so who knows how he reacts out of that vulnerability. Like that would be something interesting for me to see. Yeah. Like, you know, this is a ridiculous fight. So it's very hard to kind of actually do any real breakdown of it but i guess you know what i'm expecting to happen just from what i've seen of mcgregor's mma career and you know his experience and relating it to his inexperience in boxing i would just say that you know i imagine you know he will come to fight but he's obviously going to be completely second best and i think you know chasing mayweather around the ring uh, is going to wear him out. I think, you know, McGregor hasn't co- coped well over the distance, even in MMA. So I think, you know, when he's being teed off by Mayweather and having to like constantly try to shut him, like cut off the ring and just taking shots on the way in, I think he's going to break down. And mo- like my guess is probably you're seeing a mid round uh, KO, maybe between somewhere between like five and eight, something like that. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. And just my. The the, la, the last thing I'll ask you as well is, is this the last time we'll see either in a ring? Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't think Floyd will ever fight again. Um, and I don't think he even thought about fighting this time until the money just became too much to turn down. I think because McGregor seems like a very proud guy, I think that he's going to utilize this new newly won fame and that he will go back to the UFC because he's going to want to show those new possible eyeballs, how good he is in his, uh, in, in his sport and how kind of unfair it was for him to take the boxing fight. And I, I do think he'll fight like, you know, one or two times, but I, I don't see him going back and like fighting three or four, you know, three times a year for the next three years. Like at that point, you're just like, I have too much money to even worry about. I mean, look at Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz made one big payday and every fight that the UFC, uh, you know, tries to get him to, to, to do. And he's like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> like how like you don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I would be. Like, I, I agree with you on that, but I would be more of the client to, see, to go lower than you. I think McGregor does fight again, but I think maybe it's one time and it's a year, two years down the line. And then that goes back to my original point, which is what does UFC get out of this out of, you know, outside of a, a good chunk of change? Like, it's just so risky. But at some point, I think Dana White is is weighing the pros and cons of saying no to, to McGregor. And McGregor 
uh, not fighting because he's holding out or saying yes to McGregor, which makes McGregor happy. And you're hoping that he fights uh, another one or two times. But the risk is that he doesn't never have to fight again. So Dana and the UFC are kind of the ones who are between the rock and the hard place here. And um, I, I guess that he really doesn't he really didn't have a choice outside of trying to uh, make sure that that uh, Connor was happy, and and I guess that's kind of been that's kind of been uh, Dana and Lorenzo's job for the last few years. But hey, man, that guy that guy has also made them very rich, or or he's a big part of these last few years of making those guys very rich. So um, I, I I commend uh, McGregor for getting what he wants because you know uh, he has the power to do so and. Um, you know, guys like, uh, you know, fighting today, you know, you see like a Tyron Woodley and he's just like, man, I don't want to fight Damian Maya. Like, why can't I fight GSP or Bisping or any one of these guys that would be a bigger fight because they want the freedom to, to fight the money fights, but because they don't really have the power of these decisions, they kind of have to do what the UFC wants them to do. And it just seems like a really frustrating proposition when you know what actually works in the business sense of, of this stuff. So uh, we, we can move on. I, I think we probably spent a little bit longer on this stuff than we wanted to, but it's such a big, gigantic sports story um, that, you know, we need, we couldn't have, have avoided talking about it. So, um, we can maneuver to, uh, Ward, uh, and, uh, and Kovalev, um, which you said at the beginning of the show, which is such a, like just a completely, uh, opposite style of, of fight, which is two of the best guys pound for pound in the world, uh, rather than, you know, sort of the circus event, like, like, uh, Jim Lampley w- was mentioning. Um, so I guess the first thing that the, there was a piece of news that came out that um, Kovalev's trainer, John David Jackson, was being courted by Andre Ward's camp to work underneath uh, Virgil Hunter for this fight. And so it was even asked of Kovalev on uh, Jim Lampley's fight game interview. He said, you know, he asked him about it and, and he said, you know, there was there's some there's some talk that, you know, that there was an offer or whatever. And Kovalev basically said that it's just Ward's team trying to play mind games and that there that you know his his guy was just taking the offer he wasn't seeking the offer what have you heard about this and what are your thoughts about this story um i i, I like i don't know i i i don't believe my guess is that you know like it was something that was instigated on Ward's side. But, you know, I think in a lot of ways, Ward has got into Kovalev's head in over the course of this build-up. You know, I think in the first fight, we saw something that was, uh, you know, it was quite amicable. There wasn't really a lot of heat between the two of them in the lead-up to the fight. And I think in this one, you know, Kovalev's really got kind of a hangover from that first fight where he really believes he won. And you can see that there's there's conviction in him, and he does he does believe he was jobbed by the judges, but you know the confidence he had in the early stages, you know, seems to be turning a little bit into frustration now. I think I think he's fallen into Ward's trap a little bit, and Ward's got it in his head. I, you know, 
type of thing like storming out of the presser as he did and you know that's not a good sign like i think i'm i'm worried that he's going to carry some of that emotion into the into this this fight and you think you know if if he does if he does do that i think it's it's gonna uh, it's it's going to be catastrophic for him because I think you know he he needs a, 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 a calm approach going into a fight with a guy like Ward. Um, the uh, the the other thing that came out of that is Kovalev was talking about he has a new strength and conditioning coach because he thought that right around the fifth round that he lost all zip on his punches, all his power, and a lot of energy which he has always said, you know, came from overtraining. But if you watch a lot of that fight, um, Ward is just bo- searching for, for body shots, which also could, uh, you know, be be a reason for someone to, to lose uh, energy or, 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 or whatever. What, do, do you think Kovalev overtrained? Is there anything to that? Or do you think that's just kind of an excuse um, you know, or or maybe it's both that both that he overtrained and those body punches were were taking a, a lot out of him, uh, because he is. I mean, he's been pretty honest about yeah, like I ran out of gas, like that's on me. Yeah, in um in the twenty four seven, that is ex- exactly what he said. He said, you know, from the fifth round onwards, I was tired, and I just kind of asked the question of why, because this is a guy who's used to championship fights admittedly most of his fights do end in knockout but he has gone like into the late rounds a a few times so it's not something new to him and he's used to fighting at that pace so why did he start flagging in the fifth round like I only gave him two rounds after that point in the fight. Um, I gave him the sixth and then I which I think he put a huge amount into and after that he was he was pretty much done and I gave him the 12th just because I think Ward let let that let that round go, but you know the Ward sweeped all those other rounds in between, and you know when you get up as with the lead, he had it had it early in this fight. You really shouldn't let it slip away, especially when you're the bigger guy. You know if it had been the opposite way around and Ward was leading the fight, you could have seen a, some kind of situation where Kovalev landed that one big shot to change it. But when when you are the bigger guy, you don't expect you know to give up a, a, a four four or five point lead in a in a twelve round uh, championship fight. Um, like I guess one of the things looking back on that first fight that I found that I found interesting watching the second game is how good Kovalev was in those early rounds. He in a lot of ways, outboxed Ward. His job was better. Ward couldn't really find a way out of it until he started. Until, until he started. Um, until Kovalev started to fade. Um, and th- that's something I wonder if you know. If, does he look at the, does Kovalev look at that and think, is that something I can build on? And you know, if he's a bit more conservative, can he you know ca- carry that on from in, 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 in another few rounds? But the other thing is that you mentioned was the body punches from Ward and how he. War, war Kovalev out. You know, when you have a somebody giving up weight in a fight, it can often go two ways. Either the smaller guy can get tired from, you know, the big guy fighting a big man's fight and making him carry his weight around and, you know, you, you, and, and, you know, really leaning on him and make, make, making him feel the difference in weight. Or you can go the opposite way where the big guy tires from chasing the smaller guy around. And that's what we saw more in this fight. And, you know, you talked about Ward doing the body work. You know, where was the body work from Kovalev? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think I looked at the stats after, you know, at the, at the, at, at the halfway point in this fight, and he was averaging one body punch per round. 
uh, and that was at the first stage when he was dominating. You know, when he had the upper hand on Ward, and that, that should have been when he tried to take the stamina away from him and, you know, m- make it difficult for Ward to fi- find space later on and use use the speed advantage. He didn't do that at all. And, you know, it's something even, like I know John David Jackson said in the build-up to this fight, he said, you know, he's always talked, uh, talked to Kovalev about going to the body and Kovalev is always just like by nature headhunted because he's such a good knockout artist. And, you know, I wonder if that is something, you know, they're going to build into this strategy. And, you know, another thing that I thought was really kind of defining in this fight was like, you know, it feels the defining difference maker in this, this fight was, um, you know, the inside work when, when Kovalev was winning the fight early on, when Ward got inside and tried clinch, Kovalev used his strength to just battle his way free and keep punching. When we got into the second half of this fight, he didn't do that. He stayed in the clinch and let Ward kind of shrug him around and work him over on the inside. I don't know if that was true fatigue, but that's something he can't let happen to him at this uh, uh, in this second fight. He can't let, let himself get sucked into those clinches. Ward's just too good at that. In the in the uh, Bernard Hopkins analysis of the fight, he mentioned that Kovalev wasn't effectively using his jab because, um, you know, he had the advantage of, of being bigger, like he already said, and 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 I think he's I think he's longer a little bit longer as well, and so um, there was a there was a jab I think it was a jab in the first round that didn't I mean. I don't know if it hurt Ward, but you could just tell it was like the type of jab where Ward told himself at that moment, "Okay, I'm with someone a little bit different here. Um, And it kind of stunned him a a, a little bit. And even on and even on the knockdown in the second round, they were both throwing, you know, their their right hand um, and and just Kovalev's got there quicker uh, and, and he was able to put Ward on a knee. But. It seemed like to me that Ward was able to go, okay, these are the things that uh, are going to get me in trouble. So these are the things I have to change. You, you, you heard Hunter uh, yell at him saying, um, uh, saying uh, something like, don't show, uh, don't show. Uh, and, and so meaning you're giving him like too much of your uh, of your body or of your uh, um, of a target, like don't don't give him so much to hit, and so you could just hear and see the adjustments inside the round. I mean, inside the ring, and I don't know if I saw the same from Kovalev's corner. And how much of that do you think is based on just the relationship that Ward has with Hunter? It seems like you know they have this like sort of father and son relationship, and Ward just trusts him with everything. And I'm not so sure that Kovalev has that same type of relationship with his corner guys because when it comes down to it, if it's a close fight, it may simply be the adjustments that that one guy is making be that his corner sees and that the other corner doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess what you said about that knockdown, um, I think Ward, like, I, I'm kind of interested in your perspective of this because Ward and Hunter both played that down a lot that he wasn't really that hurt and, you know, you know, he had his wits about him when he got back up to his feet. What I saw in that was Ward looked quite 
glassy-eyed and heavy-legged going going back to his corner at the end of that round. I think he was on the ropes. And I wonder, like, you know, if Kovalev gets that opportunity this time around, does he have to, you know, sell out? Does he go, does he throw everything at them, go for broke and throw everything to take Ward out of there and not let the fight slip away again? Or, you know, does he try, you know, be patient and, you know, just keep building on his, building on the advantages he has? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really good question because if if he believes that Ward uh, and, and Hunter will make the changes necessary, and and Bernard Hopkins said it in a really uh, funny way, he said that Virgil Hunter, if he needs to, he will go to Plan B, Plan C, and even Plan D, and can. Kovalev's team make those same adjustments if Kovalev doesn't think that he is you know that they can make those adjustments like Ward ha- Ward can then maybe he does you know go a little bit more for broke but then risking that Ward can be such a good defensive fighter and sort of figure these things out very similarly to how uh Mayweather Mayweather does kind of just in the moment um I, and 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 so I I feel like Going back to what you had said earlier about uh, about Kovalev's unwillingness to go to the body, he need, he also is a great boxer. He does have the power. He does have the advantage there to where he can hit, knock somebody somebody out with one punch. But he's a really good boxer too, and I feel like he was so frustrated in the second round in the second half of that fight that Ward was outboxing him. That he he just showed a, a certain frustration that I'm not I'm not sure I ever saw with him. So going back to it is like again like how do you how do you deal with those types of situations when things aren't going well for you? Can you be calm? Can you figure it out? Can you stay the plan um, and do all those other things? Because I, I feel like Kovalev um, left himself a little short of who he really is in the second half of that fight. And maybe some of that is because he clearly thought he was winning. And we've seen guys who clearly think that they're winning kind of take, take the, um, their foot off the gas, you know, Oscar De La Hoya and Felix Trinidad is like the most famous one recently, you know, or not even recently, but in the last 20 years or so, maybe, maybe some of that is, and, and then again, it's back to Ward winning the, the emotional, you know, the emotional game and and sort of figuring, you know, uh, figuring that part out. So there's so many different angles to this. And the thing that I hope, and this is me being a Ward fan, right? Like I'm, I'm a really big Ward fan. He's from the Bay area. I've watched him since the Olympics. And there are very few fighters, both in MMA and boxing, where I actually root for the person. I usually just root for, something exciting and maybe even for like a good outcome to 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 for for boxing business but i am going to be rooting for ward and so this is me saying this as a ward fan i really hope kovalev comes back in this fight and really shows how great he is because the one time he had that opportunity to do so in front of you know a semi uh paying heavy paying audience he I, I felt like he was a little short and and i want him to 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 show people that he really is one of the best guys in the game yeah and if you if you want to talk about you know where this fight slipped away from and you mentioned the advice of hunter in the corner i think this is one that people should, should go back and watch watch the end of the fifth round 
Ward is low, goes back to his corner, dead tired. He looks pretty beaten up at that stage. He's got a huge uh, deficit on the scorecards. And, you you know, it's the, that calming effect in the quarter. He, uh, Vir, Virgil sends them back out and all that disappears when he goes back out there in the sixth round. He doesn't look tired anymore. He's back on his game and he's back boxing. You know, and I think that was a big breakthrough. Kovalev put a huge shift in in that sixth round. I think Kovalev won that round, but I think it took the rest of the fight out of him. After that point, Ward sweeps sweep seven through to 11 on my card. And, you know, I think that was the difference maker. In, in, in I think that was the real big difference maker in that, that, you know, Ward had that extra gear to go to, you know, when the chips were down. And, you know, when... When when it, it, it when the the the, the, uh, the roles were reversed later in the fight when Kovalev had to dig back in I I just don't think there was there was anything there you know in the eleventh round you saw him you know I think Ward bundled him over at one point and you could just see he was dead tired he didn't really have that much that much left to give and uh, you know I did think he did, he took the twelve round but you know I still gave the fight to Ward yeah I think the only round in the entire fight that we disagreed on was the 10th. I, I gave the 10th. Okay, this is, this, is really, this is really interesting because, you know, this is actually the one I picked out as, you know, the one swing round in the fight. I think yeah. this is the fight. I think how you scored off that round decides the fight because I think, I actually think this is a quite an easy fight to score round to round. Yep. Um, even though it's a close one, I think, the, the, uh, like, uh, close on the cards overall, I think round to round, it's quite easy to score, except that 10. That's the one that hangs in the balance. Yeah, and, um, you know, you had it just as the judges did, which was 114-113 Ward, and I had it 114-113 Kovalev. So that is the round that we we differed on. And really, at the end of the day, if if it's so small of a uh, of a difference and 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 we both have it so close, like the fight can go to anybody at that point. Um, as long yeah, like as I, I I I scored the fight seven rounds to five, same as the judges. If I switch that tenth round, I have to, I have to, I have the same card as you, which is six rounds to six, and Kovalev wins because of the knockdown. Yep, 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 totally. So um, you know, I, I I think we were kind of maybe. Or maybe it's just me leaning, you know, when I was describing the fight, it made it probably sound like Ward uh, was like the clearly definitive victor here. But no, because of the early, early part of the of the fight, it was very close. And I and, and Kovalev, you know, for the first five rounds of that fight, that was exactly the Kovalev that you thought you were going to get. And in the last seven rounds or so, it was not the Kovalev that and so it was a little bit shocking and some of that was obviously Ward some of that was maybe his conditioning but just the just the fact that the, a fight a fighter can be so polarizing in the same fight is is is, is pretty crazy and 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 I would assume that we give a uh, we we give uh, a lot of that to to Ward and Hunter and and them figuring out what they needed to do but that that's how that's how close this thing is now if we look at the second fight, I think there are two ways to look at this. Uh, Bernard Hopkins, I, I, I keep talking about it because I just saw the fight game episode, but Bernard Hopkins actually thinks Kovalev is going to win the second fight to set up a third fight. Now, I think one way to look at this is Kovalev had 
uh, a whole, you know, I don't know how long, when, when was the last fight? Was that in November of last year? So he had a whole, you know, eight months or whatever, or, uh, to, to look at what he did wrong and look at what he could, he could do right here. And again, he's great. So <clears throat> thus, I think we have to give him that benefit of the doubt to, that he can actually make the changes he needs to take. But the other way to look at this is if you look at how that fight ended, if you give another 12 rounds based on the second half of that fight, which looked like Ward had figured Kovalev out, is there now anything that Kovalev could do to beat him? And maybe Ward runs away even more and, and puts a little distance between him and Kovalev in the second fight. How do you look at this? Yeah, I think like my, my, my point of view on this is that you know, that's exactly what happens. I, I, like, I like Ward to win, you know, at least eight rounds this time around. I think, you know, as you said, Ward fi- figured it out and Kovalev fell into his trap. Um, and I just can't see Ward having as bad a start as he had first time around. I just can't imagine that happening again. And I think without that, I think he, you know, he puts daylight between them. You can also, though, make the case, you know, we've, we've already pointed to it. Kovalev was was winning the boxing match early, early before he uh, before he he started to fade. You know, you can look at things like the body shots, as you mentioned. He didn't go to them. If he if he implements them this time, can he you know take something out of Ward and make make life a little bit more tougher down the stretch? There there is changes that can be made, and you know. And you know, obviously, the big one as well is Kovalev's power. You know. If he if he if he if he can you know get in the get the get on the upper hand this time does he you know go 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 more out for the stoppage and try to take Ward out of there and not let this go to the cards you know does he need does, will he go in feeling he needs to do that given that you know he believes this is a robbery even though most of us would say you know it was a close fight he believes he he didn't get a fair shake a fair shake from the judges first time around so you know does he feel the only way he can win this this time is by knockout so i i'm probably going to lean towards what you said over um over kovalev really uh, re, you know re, really f- figuring out the things that he needs to do he also does have the knockout ability, right? Like he's already put Ward down once. And so we know that he could hit him with that punch because um, he's done it before. So there is that angle too, which is, you know, Kovalev shows his power. Uh, it, it would seem a little as good defensively as Ward is. It would seem to be unlikely, but, you know, that guy hits hard and, and you hit someone hard enough. It doesn't matter how good you are defensively. Um, the, the, uh, so, so I think I agree with you, um, but I, I, I get, I, I'm sort of feeling lesser and lesser confident in, in that prediction. Um, and part of that is because Ward himself is talking about, uh, he doesn't know if he's going to fight again or win or not that he's going to retire, but you know, what, what does he have left to do? And whenever you hear that talk, you get a little skeptical about, about how hungry a guy is like, because if, if you don't have a 110% hungry Andre Ward in this fight, like it could really mean, uh, the difference. Yeah. Well, I guess my thing on this is just knowing Ward and the type of, we talked a little bit about this before we started the show is just like the type of competitor Ward is, um, 
you know, I mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier that uh, the re- the re- the reason why I, I I felt bored held held back in that twelfth round is because I think he felt he had it won. I I, I think Ward's one of the, got one of the most winning mentalities in boxing. There's a reason why he hasn't lost since he was you know a ten year old child. And I think you know that's something that stay, stays with, that's going to stay with him. I don't I don't see. Ward coming in underprepared, or I don't see him coming in under motivated. I think he's just the type of competitor. You know, if he's going to put himself in the boxing ring, he's going to be at a hundred, hundred and ten percent every time. And yeah, I, I mean, I I would agree with you there. Um, I, and and I think you're right about that. But just sometimes when, when I hear that talk, it kind of it kind of makes me a little skeptical. Um, okay, so now what happens after this fight? If Andre Ward wins this fight, we're not going to see a third fight unless there's some sort of, un, you know, some sort of shenanigans or, or something going on. We're, we're not going to see a third fight. What would be next for him or would he possibly retire? And it's not like this is a rich guy, right? It's not like he's had these super mega fights that to where he made so much money that that he's just going to, you know, retire off of this money for the rest of his life. I mean, I'm sure he he's has a good he has a good uh a living situation, but he's not, you know, someone like uh someone like Pacquiao or Mayweather or Cotto who've been just making these humongous paydays for the last 5 to 10 years. Um but could you see him retiring cuz who else is out there for him? Okay, this is this is a really interesting one in in this particular division, right? Because there is a huge like this is one of the most talent stacked divisions uh, in terms of you know dangerous fight, fighters, you know the, the who needs them club type of fighters, the guys that you know maybe don't have the biggest names in the world but are really really tough guys. Um, and it's all came out. They've all kind of came out of the woodwork at the same time. You know, this is a division that a light heavyweight that you know for a long time wasn't wasn't very strong. Now it's real. There's really is a depth. And you know, we have seen in the past Ward has been willing to test himself against against the best guys. You know, there's not big paydays out there. So I'm just wondering if you know, does he look at this? You know, he'll come out of this fight 32 and 0 if he wins. Does he look at it and say? You know, I'm going to try to extend my legacy as much as I can and take on, you know, all comers at this division. Does he try to look at, you know, Adonis Stevenson, try to get that fight? You know, Kovalev had tried to get that fight for so long. That That's like he's the other, other champion. I don't know if Stevenson would take it. But then you've got like somebody like Joe Smith Jr. who just knocked out Bernard Hopkins. You've got um, Arthur Baturbiev who, you know as an amateur was ahead of Kovalev, you know, he's knocked out everybody's fought as a pro, you know, he's, uh, he's just a devastating puncher. And, you know, he, I think if he wins his next fight, he's the IBF mandatory, which would make him mandatory for, for the winner of this fight. Um, and there's, you know, just a, another handful of uh, Dominic Bavel, um, he's on this undercard. Um, there's just a handful of these really really top level level fighters coming through at the moment that you know ward may look to test himself at just to extend his legacy at this point because you know and, and this is something i wanted to ask you about it's like i wonder sometimes why ward isn't looked at in the same way we look at a floyd mayweather you know this is this is a guy you know i, I know as a star 
he would never be with Mayweather because he just doesn't have, you know, that that side of of the business figured out. He's not the the showman that Mayweather is. But you know, from a pure sporting perspective, I think he, he in a lot of ways he's you know what he, his achievements are as good as anybody in the sport. You know, you look at this guy. He came in for, as an Olympic gold medalist. You know, he won a really tough like he dominated and, and uh, you know unified a really tough division in the super middleweight beating guys like you know Carl Frotch and Mikael Kessler who are 100% hall of famers at that weight you know then he beat Chad Dawson when he was light heavyweight champion still in a, in a catchweight fight um, at, that, at that point like a win against Dawson still meant something and then he goes up and fights the absolute toughest guy in the light heavyweight division in Kovalev and you know he's beaten him once he could have he could have scared off he got, had a really tough fight he could have scared away from the rematch but he's gone for the second time and if he can win this and you know beat another beat Kovalev a second time and put distance between them I think you know his resume is it's it's really one of the the great ones in the sport and I think it's something that you know people should really start to respect more than they do Yeah you know some of that is the he he's just he's just not a welterweight and that was for so long the the focused division in boxing, and you know we can even go back to the Super Six where Showtime was actually saying like, "Look, we have all of this talent here, and we want to showcase it because we feel like you know this could be the next uh, marketable division." And as as hard as that thing you know was was to put together, man, think back at, at at who was in that thing, and that that was pretty amazing for them to even you know get it going as much as they could. Um, it probably didn't end you know exactly the way that they wanted it when it came to how many times each guy fought who and blah 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 blah. But but still, like I think some of it is simply because you know he didn't have they didn't have the uh the the market the marketability like like the HBO did with, with that division and there's also something to you know maybe if Carl Froch was uh maybe a more marketable US star then they could have created a rivalry um which could have been been you know been much bigger over here uh, because, you know, I think a lot of what we, what we look at as, you know, who's the most, you know, who's the most, uh, respected guy or whatever, it has such an American influence to it. And, you know, you can, l- l- let's just go back a few months and we talked about this before, but a- Anthony Joshua's fight, um, against Klitschko, like how big that thing was. And yet still, you know, there are some people saying, well, you know, they, they couldn't have sold out T-Mobile, but it's like, why, why is there so much of like an American slant on on a lot of the of these things? Like, Ward didn't have, you know, a Pacquiao or a De La Hoya, and that's that's one of it. But he did have some amazing fights with Kessler and Froch, and I feel like those fights didn't even really dent uh, the the um, the scene in, in the U.S. very very much for whatever reason. Um, and, and so that some of that is just the limitations of boxing as a sport. I think I think boxing in of itself limits how successful it can be by catering to such a small uh, to such a small hardcore audience. Sometimes, like you know, uh, just just doing a lot of like like the fight game show that on HBO, like that's a great show. 
but it is really geared toward hardcore boxing fans. Like like a casual boxing fan um, may find interest in it, but you know probably not too excited to watch something like that. I, I feel like if boxing did a better job at making stars out of guys who really deserve to be stars, um, you know they they, they could. You know they could do much better, but even you know we'll go back to what uh, Kathy Duva was talking about today, which is Mayweather and McGregor kind of ruined our fight. It didn't; they didn't ruin your fight. You haven't marketed this fight enough to make people care, and they were able to come in and sweep, you know, and, and just sweep you off, sweep the audience, you know, off their feet because you didn't do a good job to market this fight. Not enough people cared about this fight, and lots of people care about that next fight. Yeah, like uh, you know, like I sympathize with Katty, and I like she's one of my favorite promoters in boxing. You know, I have a lot of time for Katty Duma, but uh, you know, and it's 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 not ideal for you know another major fight that's going going to take all the headlines to be announced the same week as you have your fight. But you know, the, the fact of the matter was, you know, the promotion for this fight just wasn't knocking them dead anyway. Um, and I guess what you, what you mentioned about you know Ward never having that kind of signature big fight. Do you think at this stage of his career, if he had, because I don't think he's going to do it in the US, but if he had a big fight internationally, you know, that was broadcast back home, for example, if he had the type of fight Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko had, if he had the Carl Frotch and George Groves had, if he had one of those fights, like a Wembley Stadium type fight, and, you know, there is at at super middleweight now you have got a lot of british guys who are who are either holding belts or close to holding belts um you know with james Gale, george groves uh callum smith would a fight with one of those guys you know because ward is held in such high esteem from beating frotch in the uk you know if would if ward went to the uk and did a big stadium show with one of those guys you know and you know it got that it got you know hbo or showtime covering it and you know people were looking at it as this kind of big 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 ticket seller would that be a difference maker for how you feel he was feud back home if he had done that, because I think we were even talking about this uh, years ago about Ward and Frotch and and them going uh, and him going over there to fight because you know of of what kind of audience he could draw and how big that would be. And I think we both figured out that. But then in boxing, it's so much about what concessions you give versus what you take as the A side versus the B side. And it, it's, it's so much more glamorous to fight in Las Vegas than it is to fight on someone else's turf and blah, 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 blah. Like that, a lot of that also hurts the sport. And that's, you know, the UFC, for instance, there are many things that they, that they do uh, wrong and they repeat a lot of mistakes. But one of the things that they do well is they will run shows in other countries that make their sport seem really big in that country. And I don't know how much that penetrates back here as far as like people going, oh, wow, you know. But when Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm fought in, uh, I think they fought in Australia, right? Um, Like there were a lot of people in that crowd. And if they do that same fight 
in the U.S., like, say, at a baseball stadium, they probably don't draw half of that crowd. And so it makes things look so much more important when you have all those people in there. But because boxing isn't dominated by one person who can make the majority of these decisions, it's all about giving concessions and giving in here. No, but I get this. If you get this, then I get this. And so then you get the same old, same old, which is all these guys fighting in Las Vegas at the same hotels. And, you know, on this fight is at the Mandalay and they haven't even sold out the Mandalay yet. The Mandalay is only 10,000 seats. They have yet to sell the Mandalay out. So it just shows you like, okay, well, if Las Vegas doesn't want this, no matter how much extra money we get because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, what if, you know, could we do it somewhere else? Is there is there another market? Could this have been at Madison Square Garden instead of in Las Vegas and been seen as a bigger fight? And I, I just think that, you know, they, they, they shoot themselves in the foot with that kind of stuff because if, if, if American fighters were much um, – were, were much more – uh, in agreement to go overseas instead of thinking that, oh, that, that just means that I'm the B-side and that just means that I may get screwed out of a judge's decision because of hometown cooking and stuff. I think the sport would be in a so much better place, but we just we just don't get that. Yeah, and I, I think, we're, we're, if anything, it's getting worse in a lot of ways. You know, with the rise of uh, PBC and uh, you're seeing, like, you know, you've seen guys who are headline acts internationally, um, you know, stadium fillers come over and fight in front of sparse casino crowds. And, you know, that obviously doesn't look great for the sport even. Um, You know, like, you know, if you, when you see something like, you know, a Wembley stadium show uh, with Anthony Joshua, it, it, it looks like it's a big deal because it is, you know, there's 90,000 people and they're there, they're, they're there because they care about it. Um, when you, when you're seeing a half interested casino crowd who, who's like, you know, most of them are there just because they've got comp tickets or whatever. And, you know, it isn't even full. It, it really, it, 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 it like that transfers across through the broadcast as well. And, you know, it re, it, it's hard to pr- project, you know, that this is really a, it, it, as big a fight as it is if it, if it, if it doesn't have that, the, the fan backing in the arena. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it is, it's, it's a little frustrating because I, I feel like, again, they, they, they limit themselves into, what their own view of is as good for the sport or, or whatever. And they don't, the boxing in of itself is just, is is like a selfish sport. It's truly about, you know, about number one and which shows how, why, why Floyd doesn't give a crap about anything else. He's like, well, the, you know, the second, the second I lose, you know, I, I'm sort of out of sight, out of mind. I'm just going to make sure that I'm my, I'm the best businessman for myself because boxing otherwise doesn't care as a sport. They don't, it's just all about how much money you can make and, and uh, not about the future. It's all about the present. Like there's, it's just, there's just so many weird things about it, but before, so we, we, we talked a lot about this stuff and, and I do, uh, I, I think we're probably, we probably should get off in a couple minutes here, but before, uh, before we do, was there anything else about this fight specifically that you wanted to hit on that I didn't, uh, that I didn't bring up? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much wrapped it up at this stage. Um, I guess you know all the all there really is to say is you know this was 
a great fight first time around and that kind of got lost a little bit in the controversy of the decision you know i think people forgot how good this fight was you know i was just watching it back during the week and you know those 12 rounds were absolutely absolutely brilliant entertainment um you know, I, I, I don't know if this would this if it'll be as good second time time round. You know, it might be uh, more clear sailing for Ward, as we said. But any time you get you get it, it's like two of the very top pound for pound guys in the sport in 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 the ring together. You know, it's like it's a real rarity, and uh, you know, it's it's something to look forward to. So you know, I think this is a fight. You know, people should should de- definitely t- take notice of, and uh, I, I, I ho- hopefully we'll get another great show. And the uh, 160-pound version of this fight actually happens in September. So I, I wonder if, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny how one thing, which is Canelo and Triple G, can, can really be marketed as, like, the two best guys, when in reality, you know, this is probably a little bit closer to the two best guys, but I don't think people see it that way, unfortunately, just because they don't know either guy as well as they know Canelo, uh, specifically Canelo. I think Triple G still on the come up uh, from a marketing standpoint, but um, yeah, it's 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 it, the way that it's being marketed is 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 just so weird to me because I I just think I, I put on uh, a marketing hat and I'm no you know I'm no boxing promoter I don't know there there are tons of different things that these guys have to do or can do but I just feel like this could have been marketed so much better and it's a shame because you know it sounds like the pay per view buys are going to be under two hundred thousand again um, which is kind of a death knell for both guys on pay per view. Um. Yeah, like if you if you not in it's like not that two hundred two hundred thousand is a, a terrible number, but you would look at this as the high end for each of these guys. There's nobody out there in the division that they could draw they could draw more with. So in that in that sense, yeah, it, it would be uh, it would be um, the last of their the last pay per view fight for either guy for at least the foreseeable future. Yep. Um... Yeah, and it's too bad because they're both great. Uh, Okay, so uh, I think we are done here. Episode 3 in the books. Um, Duan and I will be uh, back, I'm sure, over the summer um, as there's there's a couple of other big fights that that we'll need to talk about. um, And we will try and get our... uh, our uh, fabulous four um, podcast series back up as well. I'm still I still have to upload the original episodes in in the new channel so that people can actually hear those before we put out the new ones. But um, we have some work to do there, uh, and we have Mayweather and McGregor, and we have Canelo and Triple G coming, um, and. Those are going to be big fights that we will talk about not only on the website on fightgameblog.com, but also here uh, on the podcast, uh, Fight Game Podcast. So um, appreciate doing hanging out. Thanks again. Uh, and so for doing, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace.